then me and Liam are also going to do like a side kind of episode here. That's going to be a separate thing. And we're going to go over two things, you know. There's one really legendary and iconic driver that's, uh, you know, leaving us sadly. <laughs> Cue the emotional music, <laughs> Georgina, <laughs> as, uh, as the tears uh, flood the room, you know. But uh, our... Let me get the bucket for you to collect all the tears. <laughs> yeah. And maybe a bucket of KFC too on Red Bill's bill. Thank you. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a McDonald's kind of guy, but you know. Just... All chicken shops are um, are welcomed, and uh, other chicken shops are available. But yes, let's let's let go with Nando's, man. Ooh, okay, George. See, see, hot, spicy, medium. Okay, okay, I see, Georgie. Anyway, <laughs> we we digress. Um, Liam, man, like you've got a really cool affiliation with Aston Martin, and it's amazing to see. F1 teams, you know, like one giving the opportunities, obviously, to you know people like us to kind of get involved with the sport, the team, the drivers, but also, man, like you as well to to work with them because ultimately for Aston Martin, you know, they're they've had history in the sport, and I'm sure you'll give us a history into their inclusion. But in this guys, Aston Martin is still a fairly new thing, so to get kind of like people like you to work with them is a pleasure for them, and you know, something that they probably look forward to a lot because of the kind of market and, and the audience of people you would put them onto, man. So we need to big you up as well. But where I want to go to, Liam, is you had a really cool opportunity to interview, you know, like literally, um, I was going to say, I don't want to be like those guys that got memed the other day, so I'm going to make sure I get right. Four-time world champion Sebastian Vettel, you know, at Aston Martin. What was that experience like, you know? Because you, you did like an actual, like, um, like, actual interview on your channel which is out there so make sure you guys go and follow and subscribe to liam talks motorsport on the internet but man talk to us about that opportunity you know and, and what's it like you know speaking to sebastian bell as a four-time world champion and you know just the probably the most surprising thing that seb said to you on that day i mean it was it was absolutely mental um i've never like i when I, I, if you don't know already, I went through like a, a bout of massive anxiety attacks and depression a, a few years ago. I never thought that I would be where I am three, four years on. Um, and, you know, Sebastian Vettel, like I said, he was like m m probably my idol um, before I started looking into all the stuff about, you know, old racing and stuff. Um, so to interview him was just an incredible honour. And what surprised me most was... And obviously, this isn't in the actual interview, but um, after we finished the interview, he actually, because my dad was there, obviously, um, and my mom was as well, and um, we actually, he actually, um, we actually had a couple minutes of a conversation as well, um, because um, the guy who was who was um, with Seb was a guy called um, Matt Bishop, absolute legend. Um, he was the whole reason why I, I managed to get to to be in that in that incredible interview with Seb. And we, we just had a general conversation um, and it was just really, really lovely. Um, Seb's a really, really nice guy and I wish him nothing but the best for the future, whether that be, um, you know, climate uh, being a climate change activist or, you know, becoming a farmer like Jeremy Clarkson, but with his, with his <laughs> lovely bees, with his lovely, lovely bees, or, you know, or if he just like settles down with his, with his family, with his um, wife and his um, three, three children absolutely you know and talking about him as well there liam he had quite an amazing run at suzuka didn't he you know you could tell that it was quite an emotional week you know he has lots i mean seb has fans everywhere for god's sake but i mean in japan particularly wow just like you could basically i think seb could run for like a japanese prime minister over there like he jet he genuinely get elected by the people he's or or uh... the people or, or British Prime Minister here, he'd probably do a better job than Liz Truss anyway. <laughs> yeah, from what we're seeing at the moment, I agree with you on that one for sure, Liam, it's true. But yeah, like, you know, like he had that race and, you know, what was your kind of thoughts just on this performance? Because he had a bit of a mistake at the beginning, but then, you know, he came back, he fought his way through the field and he had that awesome, like, you know, final lap battle with Alonso as well. Could you, you talk about like your emotions and, and just kind of how you saw that one play out on the day? I mean, I my dad was watching it with me, and you know we're also really, really good. Um, you know, we we love we love Seb. Um, obviously, I'm not biased in any way, shape, or form, but you know, I, I was hoping he'd do well. And 
you know, it's, it's a shame we didn't get to see him and Alonso's last, like, battle play out because they were showing us, like, replays and stuff, and it was really annoying. But, you know, the, the battle between him and Fernando was just amazing. Um, two of two of the drivers that, I, that I've watched for a long, long time and have uh, been inspired by battling out for... Well, so it was P6. It was um, still a really entertaining battle, and I was really, really happy when... when um, when I found out you'd finished sixth. And you know what? Hats off to the Aston Martin strategy team because they did everything right to get him back into that points position. You know, the, the way that they timed things was just perfect with the uh, with the conditions changing from wets to inters. You know, um, and that was how Latifi scored points as well, you know. So hats off to the Williams team for that. You know, people are forgetting that uh, Gotifi is no longer 20, uh, first place in a 20-car championship. So... Exactly, and you know that that in itself didn't seem like a thing that was ever gonna change with like the poor run of form he had, and you know I think the writing was on the wall when when Nick DeFries came in that weekend and again showed what the Williams could do, you know even on the shorts notice. So again, shout out to Latifi too, like he's not going out like you know like like a joker. He's actually trying to still do things and and you know potentially line up a seat sometime in the future because we never know what's going to happen with these teams and their financial it's, it's, you know it's, kind it's, of backgrounds it's, it's all about the money um it's exactly. like it's like it's like when um vince mcmahon's um son is like going on to like the wwe thing and, and vince is just like his face is shocked and it's just like the song um money 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 man I mean, I'm, I've never been a fan of WWE, but that, that's just, like, so funny to me. Man, that, that song as well is a banger, man. There's certain, like, theme songs in WWE, which are just, they're just goated songs. Like, you cannot go wrong with them at all, and they always get you hyped. So, oh, man, I'm glad we can bond on that one too, Liam. It's amazing. Right. So let's tune into this final segment of the show that's going to go as its own separate episode. Liam, we are going to do our top 20 worst to first in terms of the driver's performance this year. So, you know, we're taking into account, like, you know, how the drivers have done throughout the course of the year, you know, we're trying to kind of match and see in what run, running order we can logically put them in. And, you know, there's going to be loads of talking points on this one too, man. So starting from the bottom, and now we're here, but starting from the bottom in the great words of Drake, Liam, um, who is in last place for you in terms of the regular registered 20 drivers on the grid who's taking that last spot for you in terms of it's, it's, the... it, it has got to be the the incredible canadian the coffee merchant the dad's money merchant that is nicholas latifi yep fair absolutely fair and you know I've, i I guess it's i don't know how georgina's gonna chop this up so people might just hear her saying ah you got a ninth place at japan not bad but still i mean like i think logically everybody even the uh the go tp meme community will have to kind of agree with us in terms of yeah it, for, for for like you know like latifi it hasn't clicked and i don't think he's actually that bad he's not the worst formula one driver which again we actually did have a discussion about this on uh on the earlier segments so i'll sure that out I'll of peace. course the other, the other, the other Canadian. Although he was literally born and raised in Britain, so I don't know why he represented. Shh, shh, Liam, shh, shh, we don't tell them that. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to give, I'm trying to give England a bad rep. So when Scotland eventually run away from them, we can keep giving them a bad rep and eventually become a better country than them and eventually take over them and become the Grand Masters of the United Kingdom. But, um... <laughs> Man, do you, do you hear this, Georgie? <laughs> so I might not even be the regular guy from, from North London. I might be the, the regular guy from, from Dundee, you know, <laughs> or Aberdeen. <laughs> I, was, I was born in Dundee, actually, so... <laughs> See? There we go. Uh... So, fair enough. I don't even think we need to spend too much time on Latifi, because that's just... It's just been there, done that. I think if he goes into other series, which the speculation, he could actually go into IndyCar, Maybe he can, like, uh, you know, revitalize his career. But in terms of F1, I think that sail is shipped. And uh, the sail is shipped. The ship has sailed even back to front, like Latifi on the grid. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, I think that's fair. So let's go to number 19, then, Liam. I, I know this is going to be a, a very controversial one. I'm going to stick Sonoda in there, man. Like, 
I, I, I disagree. Do you know what? I'm going to be mad on okay. popular and do what Miles will really not like and put Daniel Ricardo in 19th. Ooh, he has okay. had a terrible season. Like, if you look at the... He, he's not he's not had a very good season, but like he has had a nightmare of a season, and you know I would put I would put him uh, even like in front. I'd put him even behind Sunoda or Mick Schumacher or anyone who anyone else who might be suggested to be to have had an absolutely dreadful season. Yeah, I think I, I see it to be fair, Liam. I, I don't think I I wouldn't. Be against putting Ricardo there, although I think you know the popularist out there on Twitter will say otherwise. But no, I think for a driver of his caliber, for him to not have a seat next season, and bear in mind, you know, we can say all the stuff about you know things at McLaren not being equal, or you know maybe the mechanics giving Lando more priority. All of that aside, this is an eight, maybe even a nine-time Grand Prix winner, and because of his lack of performance this season. That's ultimately the reason why McLaren have decided to terminate his contract early and to invest in somebody that's still, you know, an unproven entity in Formula One. You know, in terms of other series of racing, of course, you know, um, Piastri is going to be a star of the future, no doubt. But in terms of F1, I still think it's quite risky for McLaren to do that, although I think it's a good risk to take. So, yeah, for, for Ricardo to be in this position, I think is fair. And to put in P19... I don't see anything really too, 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 too bad about that. So I'll, I'll take that. Okay. P18. I mean, I mean, last thing, Ricardo only scored, has only scored 22% as we're filming this anyway. I mean, obviously, the, you've got the American Grand Prix coming up this weekend. But um, in terms of points scored this season, Ricardo has only scored 22% of McLaren's points this season. Like, you can, you can say all you want about how Lando's got uh, the garage behind him rather than behind um Daniel but 22% is just something that you can't even you can you can't even like say that there's anything to defend that you can't defend that true and also just like just to kind of like add to that as well Liam like people get onto Zach Brown but if this was during the Ron Dennis era would you accept that either no oh, he, no you would have been you would have been you would have been sacked and replaced so I mean, it's inexcusable, really. That's just my True. opinion. True. No, I think it's a fair one. Like, I mean, I mean, rationalized that, it. I mean, after the Suzuka race, Sebastian Vettel, who's in a car which is seventh fastest on the grid, is ahead of him in the driver standings, having missed two races of the season for COVID. Which, exactly. So, I mean, that, that's just sort of the final nail in the coffin for him. Being behind someone who not only missed two races but in is in a car which is quite inferior to his. It says a lot, doesn't it? It really, it really does. No, I think that's fair. And cool. we'll move from Ricardo then to eighteenth. I'm gonna really try and push for Sonoda here because I, I think I, in terms I... of expectations, he was supposed to do a lot better. He hasn't scored, Liam. Let me look at the thing here. He hasn't scored in Japan. Singapore, Italy, Netherlands, Belgium, Hungary. Last time he scored France. was in Spain. He hasn't scored since Spain. So like he, so, he had like a he had a good like first third of the season, and then he disappeared off the face of the earth like uh, Jimmy Hoffa in nineteen seventy five. Only the <laughs> people who watched the Irishman will understand that reference. But you know, <laughs> of course. But to to actually not score in twelve races. There, Liam. That that is not a great day at the office, you know. And I think, in a way, because Red Bull don't really have anybody really ready, you know. I think if if Vips minus the racism, or or if even he, Liam he, Lawson, he, 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 Vips wasn't good enough even without the the racism thing. He wasn't he wasn't good enough even without the racism thing. And Lawson, I I think if Lawson had had a bit more luck this year, maybe he might have gotten the seat. I, I would argue the same thing with um, Jack Doohan and Alpine, you know, because I think Jack Doohan, had he had a bit more luck on his side and had he not been a bit of a, a bit less of a wrecker, he'd probably be in the Alpine seat that next season. Personally speaking, I would have actually picked Doohan over Gasly. I'm going to be unpopular and say that because, Ooh. but you know, um, so yeah, Sunoda, he's, 
he he scored all of his points. He's he's only he's only scored he's only had three point scoring displays, and um, we're eighteen races into the season. I mean, he didn't start in Saudi Arabia, but that was be- that, and that was because of a mechanical problem. But he, he, even then, he was still starting from the back of the grid again because of a mechanical problem. But if you look at his pace, he still wouldn't have done very well. So, yeah, and I think that's that's fair. You know, like it's just one of those ones where like he had a lot of crashes in his debut year, but you could see he had like that raw speed. So we were hoping that it'd mature a bit and he'd be a bit more consistent, but for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked out. So I think that's fair. And, you know, to kind of kick things on, P17, I'm going to nominate Schumacher for this, given that in recent races, I I think we've seen an upturn in performance because let's not lie about it, Liam. He kind of has to with Gunter Steiner sampling the market. But to, to, but to, defend, to defend Mick, in the last four performances, he's beat Kevin Magnussen twice. So mm-hmm. he, and that's thing, since, since I'd say Canada, he's been pretty much level footing with, with Magnussen. Um, he, he's been very close to him in terms of performance. Um, since the Canadian Grand Prix, I'm pretty sure he scored more points than Magnussen has. And that's about halfway point of the season in terms of what we've had so far. So I think in terms of second half of the season, he's had a better better second half of the season, and it's taken him a wee while to get used to, to the car. I think with Magnussen, he had that debut race, and that just sort of put Schumacher even more under pressure. But then you need to remember the Ocon incident, um, which may have actually costed him points. Even though he instantly pirouetted and got going again, he was behind Ocon and was, and was behind him for for the rest of the race. Ocon finished 7th and Schumacher finished 11th. So... True. True. And it's things like that as well, Liam. You're right. Like, had he had had that, you know, start to the season, our complete, like, complexion on his performance might be completely different. But because that happened and then we had the series of crashes in Jeddah, Monaco, and, and kind of, like, being completely off the pace in Azerbaijan as well, it's not put him kind of like in a safe position, but I mean, are there any other candidates you want to put probably lower than him at the moment? I mean, that's the thing. Lance Stroll's had a, an all right season. He's not had a very good season. I think in terms of the next couple of drivers, you, you'd probably you probably based on points, you'd probably put Joe Guanyu there. But he's been a very unlucky driver. You have to keep in mind, and he is a rookie. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's tricky that he's coming against Valtteri Bottas, who's one of the best drivers on the grid. Um, but and also it doesn't help that, that Alfa Romeo car in the last three, four, five races has been very, very uh dodgy. So I I I don't think there's really anyone else Stroll will Stroll is like a contender for that, to be fair. Actually, yeah, I, I'd probably put Lance Stroll. I'm gonna be unpopular and put Lance Stroll mm-hmm. in 17. Okay. Um, for sure. I mean, again, like he's he's had a couple of decent races. I think for me, I remember the kind of cheeky one in in, in France. Well, again, I'm not going to go into too much detail because I, I I want Aston Martin and you to continue having the great partnership and relationship. But yeah, the kind of last lap battles he had with Seb around France was quite cool, you know, but cheeky. So he's a guy where again, like he's not been like at the front or even like you, I've never seen him like lead the midfield. But in terms of mistakes this year, I've not seen as many. So he's a driver to me, which has matured a bit more, which is why I was willing to give him a bit more bail compared to Schumacher. But we, we, we could put Stroll there for Because that's the thing. Stroll, he's, he's not made as many mistakes. And, it, you know, he's, he's only had two retirements this season. And both of them were mechanical problems. But, you know, you know, avoiding crashes doesn't necessarily mean that you're improving as a driver. I think he's he's not got the raw pace to be a Formula One driver at the moment. Um, I think give him one more season in that Aston Martin, and if he doesn't improve, replace him with with someone else like a Felipe Drogovic. Give Drogovic a chance, and if Drogovic doesn't do well, then replace him. Um, <laughs> so I I I would put him there, and then I would probably put Mick, uh, Mick Schumacher. And then, to be honest, 
it's it's probably a mix up of Joe Guan Yu and I, I can't really think of anyone else. Um, to be honest, I'm thinking Alban. That's like the mm, Alban. Maybe, maybe, but yeah, maybe I can. I can Magnuson. Magnuson's had a. I think. I think Magnuson's had a good season considering how slow the Haas has been. Um, because like twenty two out of thirty four of their points have been scored by him, and to be fair, since Canada, has have been the second slowest car. You know, them and AlphaTauri um have been the the bottom of the midfield, so it certainly hasn't helped their case out. But I I I I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you if you'd put Albon or you put Joe or if you'd put Magnussen next. I think how we'll do it. So we've got Latifi P20, Ricardo P19, Sonoda P18, Stroll P17, Schumacher P16. I think it's fair to put Zhao there because although I think he's been more consistent and he's made less mistakes himself, he's just been unlucky. There have been times as well where like he's just been close to the top 10, but it hasn't fully come forward. But I'd definitely be interested in seeing him in Formula 1 for another season. I'm glad that finally Alfa Romeo have confirmed that extension for next year. So we can go with Joe P15. For P14 and 13, I'm just weighing it up. Whether we put Magnussen in P14 or whether we go with Al- um, Alban. Because... Even with Alban, you know, he's bounced... Again, he's another driver that's had time. In a way, both of them kind of have a similar story. They've both been out of Formula 1 for a year or two. They come in, they've kind of, like, you know, dominated their teammates. And, yeah, just they've just been steady eddies, you know. They haven't been, you know, setting the world on fire. But at the same time as well, as and when they can get a job done, they, they tend to do it. So, Cause, yeah. Because that's the thing. Williams have almost like for for almost every single race weekend Williams have been the slowest car so for Alex to have gotten four points is is decent but then you look at the attrition rates of of each race you know you wouldn't have got points in um in Melbourne had it not been for first of all a really good strategy and second of all signs not deciding to to go full full megalomaniac and uh, Max not having his <laughs> his his um retirement and then you've got um, Miami. Gasly and Norris had their little incident, um, and, and um, Vettel collided with Schumacher, giving a chance for Albon to score points. But you know he took those opportunities. He was there. You know, co- I mean, compared to Latifi, anyway, <laughs> he was there <laughs> to take the opportunities. Um, and then you had Spa, where he genuinely had good pace. But then you have Hamilton, Alonso's incident, as well as Bottas's. So, but then yeah, you can say the same thing about a lot of drivers this season, where they've been quite quite lucky. But you know, it's it's that's, I think I think Albon would be fair to put um, in P thirteen. I think Magnussen should be fourteenth. Um. So. Yeah, we, we can do that. So let's put... Uh, I'm just kind of making a list on my phone as well. So, we so, so, so am I, so am I in, in my <laughs> notes section. So we've got Alvin and P13. Great, okay. So then that leaves us with the other, like, you know, remaining... Th- well, almost like 13 drivers the, the, there. Yeah, the, the entirety of the top 10, uh, top 11, <laughs> plus Gasly. Um, that's who's left, I think. Yeah, so. I mean, well, on the topical which... Ooh, where where do we put Gasly? Because uh, AlphaTauri have been really bad this year, so I'd be tempted to put him in eleventh, probably. But okay. I mean, that's the thing. Seb's had a really good year. I think at this point, it's just impossible. Max is obviously first. I'd say either Checo or or Charles in second. It's quite tricky because Charles has had that abomination of a strategy team. Um. And then, you know, it's all on a platter. You know, you've got George and Lewis, Carlos. Lando's, Lando's probably top three for me, actually. But um, And then you've also got Fernando as well, who's had abominable luck compared to Esteban. So in terms of, if we're talking raw speed, you know, it's, it's really tricky after Albon. Um, so, yeah, it's tricky. 
Yeah, well, you know what? I, I'm going to put Gasly in 12th and I'm going to put Seb in 11th because... that that That's fair. That's fair, yeah. Yeah, because with Seb, I just think compared to like what he's had to go through and and like, you know, two less races than Gasly and on top of that, you know, him just wanting to leave Formula 1 on a positive note, it just resonates with me better. And with Gasly... You know, I was saying at the beginning of the year that this is the year he's going to kick off. He's going to, you know, like, you know, put his kind of like hat in the ring, you know, in the event that Lewis did decide to retire. You know, like he try and like maybe see if he can get out of the Red Bull family and try and get into like one of the top three works teams. But if a seat became available at Ferrari or Mercedes today or tomorrow, Gasly's name's not ringing to me the same way it was ringing last year, you know, when he had that great season. So... For that reason, I'm going to put Gasly 12th and then, just for the reasons we mentioned as well, Vettel 11th, because, you know, considering the stuff he's been through and on top of that, him announcing his retirement, he's still showing signs of a driver, which isn't, like, if he was to stay in the sport for a couple of years, I don't think we'd even, like, re- see any other, like, you know, kind of negative or adverse kind of, um like, performance from him. He's always given it's 100% all, and I just love his radio messages, even when he doesn't get into, you know, Q2 or Q3, because you can tell he's still hungry, and you can tell that it means so much to him, you know, to yeah. maximise the performance and give back to all the guys in the factory. Yeah, uh, Vettel, um, are you David Coulthard or Jonathan Leggard, or what's going on there? <laughs> Vettel, this isn't his nine, but, um yeah, I think tenth place is either gonna be, I'd say, oh, it's tricky because you got you've got Lewis, Valtteri, Esteban, and maybe Carlos. Those are the sort of four people I'd put from tenth to to second. The reason why I I put Esteban there is because Fernando's had such a torrid time of it, and on raw pace, Fernando's been quicker than Esteban. So it, it's it's really tricky. Um, for, for tenth, I'd put Valtteri though. That's just that's. I was my I was literally gonna say that too. I think the easier one to kind of get into the top ten would be Valtteri because again, you know, like when the and I, I don't think it's so much him. I just think it's Alfa Romeo and the development of the car. We knew at the beginning of the season Alfa Romeo came with this car and it literally met the the weight limit, the minimum weight limit. So it was one of the lightest cars on the grid, and they had that advantage. But then, you know, throughout the season, they've talked about having to be careful, having to repatch front wings and, and, you know, not going crazy to try and meet the cost cap budget. And that performance and this style for me, it seems its performance is kind of plateaued. So for Valtteri, I think he's done an amazing job. He's proven to people on occasions why he's one of the fastest guys still on the grid. But in terms of the machinery, I think that's probably the best he can get. So I'm so, happy yeah, to kind of put since since Canada he's not scored any points. All 46 of his points came in the first nine races of the year. So we're so that's exactly the halfway stage of where we're at, at the moment. And since the summer break he's not scored any points. Since even the British Grand Prix he's not scored any points. So I think it's fair to put him in um in tenth. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's reasonable as well, and more than happy to go for that shout too. So then going kind of deep then into P9 onwards, because I actually want to give it to Ocon, to be honest. I I, I, I was going to say either Esteban or, or Carlos, probably. I'd say Esteban, yeah. Because, but then again, I don't know if Ocon should be ahead of Fernando, because the thing I will give Ocon, Liam, is that I think with Ocon, people had said, oh, you know, Fernando Alonso could had like, you know, had kind of his number in the, the season before. Although, to be fair, Ocon got that win a Hungary. And I think this year he's responded to the critics in a positive way. He's kind of showed his mettle and in wheel to wheel kind of like combat with Fernando Alonso. He hasn't yielded. And I remember that awesome battle we saw in Jeddah earlier on in the year where the two of them were going like, you know, like hammer and nail, you know, for, for track position. And then even in Hungary, whilst I don't think it was the best decision for the team, and I definitely think he riled up Fernando Alonso the wrong way that day, just to see like Alonso, um, Ocon, sorry, taking kind of like the, the team lead role and, and kind of sticking it to Alonso, he scores a couple of brownie points for me, man. Like, and he's just been there or thereabouts when the Alpine can be competitive. He does what he needs to do. So, 
it's tough, I, man. It is tough because, like, if you keep track of like how many points Fernando lost through retirements and Esteban lost through retirements, it's pretty pretty close between the two of them. I think in terms of like how close driver pairings are in the grid, they're probably like the closest driver pairing. Um, ahead of Lewis and, and George. So it's really tricky to pick which one of them goes next between um, the two of them, if you had to pick an Alpine driver, obviously, which is seeming to be the case. So it's tricky because, you know, Esteban had that brilliant drive in Japan. He had the brilliant performance in, in Austria where he was battling with the Haases and Lewis. And um, but then again, you've got Fernando's performances in Canada, and um, also at, at Spa, where he managed to finish fifth despite the, the first lap collision he had with Lewis. With Lewis, yeah. Um, hmm. That's I think the... I'm going to go with... I think I'm going to go with... Um, Alonso P9. Interesting. Uh, okay, okay. And... <sighs> Do we go with Esteban? Hmm. I think either Esteban or Carlos P8 is probably what, what I would go with. Because like because like Carlos is fifty points behind his teammate in the driver standings, fifty points. You know that that is. I mean, the only the only driver that's probably in terms of like gaps further behind his teammate is Ricardo Tenores and Latifi to Albon. So it's it, true. I see. But then again, you've got the DNF scale. Carlos has had like five retirements. Charles had three. But then again, you had Carlos. A couple of Carlos's retirements were his own fault. For example, the Australia incident and and Imola as well. But then again, you could be forgiven for like what happened to him in Baku when it just went up into Pluma spoke. And and even to be fair as well in um in Austria when yeah he, 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 had... he probably could, he probably would have finished second in Austria if. If his if his engine didn't decide to self destruct like uh, <laughs> like Ferrari in twenty twenty, um, but um, it, it's a tricky one. Do, it, it, is it is it Esteban or or, or you know Carlos? what? I, I, I'm gonna put. Uh, I think I'm gonna put. Yeah, I'm gonna put science eighth. I'm gonna put Ocon seventh only because with. Science, the only standout moment was like, yes, me, like that was awesome. Was Silverstone, and even then, I I was there by the way. Just I was, I was there by the way, Bragg. I was there. <laughs> oh man, rub it in, rub it in, man. Like I was that was close, such a race, up close as well. Like I was um because like general admission isn't as good as it used to be, where you could get access to like the Luffield sort of bet. Um, we had to stand at um the just like in between like the corner entrance at uh brooklyn's to luffield like in between there and just seeing them up close is just incredible so um yeah <laughs> quick story absolutely absolutely no and i, I love it as well man because there's a lot of us that you know don't get the chance to to experience it so even just to get from your perspective as well liam is super 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 cool you know, and yeah, just like that race was crazy. But even then, for science's perspective, it created like a lot of weird vibes because he had won his first race, but the Ferrari mechanics didn't really seem too bothered because and, it was Charles who they wanted to win. And also, Charles... and also in the previous race uh, in Canada, he probably should have won. Um, I remember someone put out a really, really outlandish claim, which was that Gasly would have won that race. I disagree with that, but... Um... I think after Canada, people were starting to, to become un- impatient with him and start to realise, okay, maybe he's not good enough. But I think with with Carlos, this, the Silverson performance was brilliant, but if Ferrari hadn't cocked up with, with Charles, he wouldn't have won the race. He, he'd have finished second, which would have been still pretty good. But I think in terms of his, his consistency, since the summer break, he's just dropped off. Um, a bit like Valtteri has. Absolutely, you know, and I think it's maybe maybe it's a motivation thing. Maybe it's that he's just accepted that this year just it's not going to be that year. But I hope that you know he can come back next year, find more strength, 
find you know like more just like you know just more of that edge you know the beginning of the season so at least you know we're not kind of saying with four races to go that you know the the whole championship's wrapped up and done but no i think it's an interesting one so we'll put science eighth then Ocon seventh i think the next kind of easy one would then be norris no p6 you want to push it higher i i i think i'm gonna be really unpopular and say well, nah, because Lewis is only Lewis is a little bit behind George, but he had a bit worse luck. I mean, a uh, qu- quick story. Um, when when I applied to Formula Nerds, they actually told me to write an article on Lewis, and um, my article was really good, so that that's how I ended up working for them. Um, so I guess Lewis's bad luck gave me good luck. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, um, so it's tricky. Lando or Lewis is is next. I. It's tricky. Well, actually, I mean, ah, maybe even Russell, to be honest, because uh, even even Russell, like with blimey. him, like blimey, mate. <laughs> blimey, crikey, like he's coming. And don't get me wrong, he's done a really good job to settle in at Mercedes. You know, to be on pace with Lewis on most days, you know, and to get a result for the team where he can. I but mean, it's just that kind of rash. Side him still like there was the, the, thing, which the consistency that he had in the first half of the season was mad though. And to be fair, to be fair to him, Silverson wasn't really his fault. It was um Gasly's fault because Gasly turned into to George because um I, I need to I need to find the, the clip. I, I swear I I still think that's Gasly's fault for what happened, but that's just that's just my opinion. And what what George did afterwards was brilliant. Um, to help Joe. Yeah, the sportsmanship but, to go up to, to Joe Guan Yu as well. Absolutely. We can't I mean, take that away from him either. I mean, compared to what he did with um with, with Valtteri. Valtteri. <laughs> yeah, that 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 was a bit of a sticky one in Imola. That was a dark day. But uh, but no, I mean he still got that kind of thing though, um, Liam. Because again, he even though I think the FIA were kind of harsh for this one too. He, he kind of did cause or was partially to blame for the issue with him and Perez at Red Bull Ring as well in Austria. Then on top of that too, he just yeeted Mick Schumacher of the way at uh, at uh, what was it um, Singapore recently too. And then even just some of his decisions or some of the stuff he tries to do in qualifying, like trying to go out. At Canada, like you know, on dry tires, like on a on a wet track. I'm like, mate, you're not Jensen Button, you know. <laughs> he tries to do the same thing again, like pretty much at Silverstone. It didn't work out for him, which is also whilst maybe Gasly moved in that kind of thing that pinched Jogan Yu. Actually, I've looked at the replay now. It is George's fault because there's there's a better racing track on the side. George cut in when he probably could have left a bit more space for him. Yeah, like there's a good, there's a good like three, four, five meters on the right. If George had gone to the right, a bit more to the right, then he probably would have lost position to both Joe and to Gasly, but he wouldn't have caused a massive crash, which nearly, let's be honest, without the halo would have incapacitated a driver. So I, I agree that he can be still quite rash. Um, so I, I think, I think it would be fair to put him. To put him there, but then you've also got Lando having a, a really good seat. Uh, you know, Lando having a good season, even like more puts George a bit further back. And then you've also got Lewis, Lewis having really bad luck as well. Um, and ha- and him having that really good run of podiums when George was a bit off the pace compared to him. You know, True. from from Canada through to Spa, Lewis was way ahead of George. I mean, despite George getting pole and hungry, the pace Lewis had there was incredible. I mean, you would expect that considering he's won around there eight times, but still. And also the DRS failure he had in qualifying too, which kind of take took away. We talk about bad luck for Lewis. You know, he, his luck was really ranted a part he, of the season. But, you know, yeah, that, he, that comes he, he probably, know, being he the probably, leader of the team. He probably could have got pole. Um, but you know, I think it's the first time ever that you know at the halfway point of the season, Lewis is behind a teammate. You know, even when he was racing against Alonso, like Miles mentioned earlier, he was ahead of him. So you know, it's the first time, and that's the thing. Some people will say, "Oh, maybe it's because Lewis is beginning to to hit his ceiling as a driver." But I don't think that. I still think that we've still got a lot left with Lewis. I think he can still 
beat Schumacher's uh, moral championships, um, uh, the amount of world championships he has. But we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I think that's fair as well, Liam. And yeah, so, yeah, all right. So we'll put Russell in P six then, and then did hmm. we go? Did we go with Lewis or Lando? Um, hmm. Or even Checo, because uh... there's been times where Checo has been outstanding and actually really impressive. If you look at Jeddah, or if you look at Monaco, you know. And then obviously on a day where Max had his kind of like thing, like. Perez is the guy that picked up the pieces for Red Bull in in Singapore, but there are other times as well where just like he's just nowhere to be seen. So, I mean, that's you, you could argue that any of the drivers from like second to seventh could be anywhere because Charles has been a bit mixed as well. He's had his fair share of bad races, Imola, um, Hungary, Spa. But then again, some of that you could say is down to the the slow pace of the Ferrari and the bad strategies. And then you've got the massive, 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 um, what's the best way of putting it? The massive oops that was that was, that was uh, Paul Ricard, where he was leading quite comfortably as well and ended up winning it um, from the lead under, well, I see no pressure, but, you know, the Ferrari, obviously there's, you're constantly under pressure in Formula One. So you could argue any of them really... Yeah, it, it is, you know, and I think how I would do it is Norris P5, because I think, you know, th- there's nothing more you could really ask of Norris in terms of what he's doing with that McLaren and where it is. But at the same time as well, you always just want a bit more. You always just want a bit more. And there have been times where, to be fair, the Alpines have had Norris's number. I remember in Port Ricard, for example, where Alonso was doing his usual tactic of just being uh, alone slow and just trying to back up the McLarens <laughs> to, you know, like stress their tyres out and play mind games with them. And I mean, Lando, Lando, Lando's Lando still be S-man in that race, though. So True, true. Yeah. And then there are other occasions, so I'm just thinking, like, um, even just like in, in Baku, where, to me, just Ricardo was the faster driver that weekend, you know, and... I don't know for Norris, it didn't really go down too well. I know he was on the team saying, Yo, change these uh positions now, please. And the team were like, Um, about that, Lando. Um, no, Daniel, <laughs> Daniel, Daniel Ricardo's a bit of a Baku merchant. I said it, true, true. Except from that, yeah, he basically, um, you know, turned two Red Bulls into one as he completely power drive into Max going <laughs> into turn one. I haven't, I, haven't we don't seen, that, I haven't seen an explosion that bad since uh, the archive footage of Hiroshima. Jeez, you went there, Liam. You went there. <laughs> but no, it's true. It's true. That was uh yeah, as a Mercedes fan, loved it. But I can imagine for most Red Bull fans, just yeah, another awkward dark day. But yeah, oh, and, the, and, the, and then the, and then there was just me as a Ferrari fan watching Seb lock up into turn one and then seeing Valtteri get the puncture, and I was just like, not this what again, this Seb. <laughs> not this again. <laughs> <laughs> and and then later on in the season, my heart was broken again at Hockenheim. Why did it have oh. to rain? Why did it have to rain? Oh man, yeah, that 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 moment was uh yeah bittersweet for a lot of people around the world. And, yeah, then, and, and then and then and then you just went spin galore, spin galore. You know, it was literally the definition of the dead or alive song. <laughs> or uh, if you're, or if you're new, uh, when it comes to music and uh, not a fan of the eighties like I am, uh, the Kesha and uh, was it Florida song? So... Hey, that that works too. That works too. <laughs> Other kind of uh, musical choices are out there too. But I love the eighties, so we'll stick with that as well. And uh, Bon Jovi, Dead or Alive, great song. <laughs> but uh, yeah, ah, oh, Liam, man, we're gonna we're gonna have to make a decision here, man. So I'm gonna throw Norris. Fifth, actually, uh, mm, it's either Paris, and then is it is it Norris or is it Paris or is it Charles or is it Lewis? Because that's the thing I could, I could I feel like a little bit of bias is coming through there with the whole Hamilton thing, but uh, man, you, you know, <laughs> you you know, my boy Lewis has to get a podium, and and it has to be in this uh this uh ranking, but. 
yeah, like, has Lewis been... All, all I'm saying, than... right, I've not been buyers for the Aston Martin drivers, okay? And <laughs> I, I am literally, and I've literally done content for them, so... <laughs> true, 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 I but did, I can I rationalize did, it, I can rationalize it. I was it, brutal with Stroll, I put him 17. Hey, I didn't tell him to put you, I didn't tell you to put him there, bro. <laughs> I was, I, I was, I was rooting for my boy uh, Stroll in the, in the LP's conversation earlier. I did my Stroll propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, like how I would rationalize it is Norris P5. I think I think you know, like if he was in a better car, maybe we could we could like see where he would mix in the, the kind of like top three teams fight. But because he's not in a top three team at the moment, he's literally the winner of Formula B right now. I don't think for, anybody Formula could be 1. Too 5, mad. Yeah, and that, I mean, exactly 23 points in four races. You Lando would need to retire from every other race. And uh, Esteban would have to finish sixth to even have a chance at beating him. And then, of course, you've got the added caveat of Fernando, Seb, Valtteri, I mean, dare I say it, God willing, Daniel Ricciardo. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, that'll happen. I mean, there's probably more chance of Santa knocking on my door right now. Sorry <laughs> sorry to all the little kids watching. Santa ain't real. Santa's real. Santa's real. <laughs> Just put that out there. Santa is real. <laughs> oh. And he kind of does look a bit like Kimi Raikkonen. Anyway, that's besides the point. Kimi's going to be knocking on your door wanting that ice cream. Of course. Hey, you see, it matches up as well. Ice cream, cold time of the year. Don't give him mince pies, give him ice cream. That'll... Exactly, you know. I mean, I mean, to be fair, when he gets back to the North Pole, you'll probably have unlimited ice creams because the North Pole is literally ice all over. But, you know... <laughs> See, infinite supply, it works for Kimi. Come on, man. You can't say that retiring wasn't the best thing you did. I mean, I mean, the only the only thing I bought in an infinite supply of is uh, is Iron Brew, but, you know. Oh, uh, that's the, my the, do not. Oh, that's the best. Why did you do that, Leon, man? That's like one of my favorite drinks as well. I, I you know, love and Iron it... Brew. I love it. <laughs> like, like, Iron Brew is love. Iron Brew is life. Best thing to come out of Scotland, apart from the computer, the phone... No, not the computer. The computer was Alan Turing. Sorry, he was half Scottish. But anyway, um, the television, <laughs> uh, the telephone. Not know, called the great, a star. <laughs> the greatest economists of all time and Carnegie and Smith. You know, there's a lot of things good to come out of Scotland. More than England, anyway. I was thinking to myself in the Jeez, shower, what has, come out of, what has come out of England, apart from William Shakespeare and uh, an old lady um called les so hey hey respect to the queen okay we'll leave that one <laughs> she died okay, on my birthday um... i had to find out well i was in the middle of eating my pizza surrounded by my girlfriend my little brother and my parents and then i literally just tur- turned to them and just said it's happened and they just <laughs> knew instantly did you have pineapple with that pizza by the way liam no, no, I that that is an absolute atrocity. Anyone who has pineapple <laughs> on pizza should be sent to the gulag. They should be gulagged like uh, <laughs> like like the average uh, Call of Duty Warzone player. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you said that, um, Liam, because like George is an advocate for it. So now you're finally in my camp. Camp, no pineapple on pizza. <laughs> I I'm sorry, oh. Georgie. I massively disagree with you on on pineapple on pizza's good. I massively disagree with you on that. You cannot put a fruit on a pizza. That's just criminal. Because that defeats the whole point of a pizza, which is to be tasty but slightly unhealthy. Waiting <laughs> here from Renhand. <laughs> especially for those who, especially for those who are lactose intolerant. Especially for those who are lactose intolerant. Hey, fair, fair point. Fair point. Fair point. Like, I can't, I can't, like, you see how you rationalize? I like that, Liam. Yeah, like. You got you got to put the lactose lactose intolerant people in there too. Yeah, like you know, you, you can't just like like I'm part of a minority. I'm I'm in the the neurodiverse um, minority, and uh, you know you got to appreciate all the other minorities. You know you have got the the lactose intolerant, uh, those who have uh, what what's the thing called where you where you struggle to read and write as well. What's that called again? Uh, Dick and one of Dick and Dom have it. Um, uh, Dyslexia? Dyslexia, dyslexia, that's it. You know, you know, don't forget about the minorities, people. Um and and love people no matter who they are, just as long as they're not Adolf Hitler, Benito Mussolini, Joseph Stalin, or uh Mahatma Gandhi, because he was a massive racist and was a bit of a weird fella. 
I'm not actually Facts. kidding with that. Facts. Either way, bringing it back to Formula One, <laughs> uh, Liam. So we ended on Norris. So that's P5. I'm gonna say Perez P4, Lewis yeah. P3. Nah, you 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 just want to listen to podium. You want to listen. Nah, to but podium, I have my reasons because my reason is for this is we know the W13 has been a wheelbarrow. Okay, that that's just evident. But well, up and, up and see... up and up until set up until the summer break. Since summer break, you know it's been up and down. You know, George got pole in Hungary. Lewis had like six straight podiums, five straight podiums. Sorry, you know I think the W13. I mean, since since Monaco, it's been up from there. You know, true, but in terms of the pedigree, Liam, in terms of you know, we're talking about W11 terms of form. This W13 is a I I just clocked something from Azerbaijan all the way to Monza. In fact, not even Monza, um, all the way up until Singapore, Mercedes had a minimum one driver on the podium. Ferrari didn't have either driver on the podium in multiple races of those races, despite having a much better car. So, I mean, you can you, you can claim that the, the, the V13 has been a wheelbarrow. Compared to past iterations of the Mercedes, it's been bad. But, you know, it's not as bad as the 2011 or the 2010 or even the 2012 car. So, true, true. I'll, I'll give you that, Liam. But the kind of point I was going to make in why I'd rationalise putting Lewis over Perez is... In terms of Lewis versus his teammate, him and Russell have been pretty close and neck to neck and, you know, pretty much doing the best they can do with that car. Whereas with Sergio, I think we've seen glimpses of him wanting to kind of, you know, show his stocks and and wanting to kind of be on the same level as Max. And we we talked about, you know, he had the performance in Spain, the, the, the win in Monaco, which was really emotional for him, even though he cheated on his girlfriend. Georgie um, and you know then again also kind of stuff we've seen in, in other places but then you know you can't get beat by your teammate by half a minute that qualif- that basically had to start outside of the top 8 around Spa or get absolutely obliterated around Monza like in terms of his like comparisons to Max he's just been nowhere near the races. Did, and, did, you, and, did and, you say half a minute in Spa? Yeah, did, did, it was it, it was it was eighteen seconds. But, it was eighteen. Oh, okay, okay. So maybe um, an exaggeration there, but still. And also, but... and also, like Checo's Checo's been absolutely. I mean, he couldn't be more. The only thing that could be worse is him being ousted from Red Bull. We've practically just like left him in the dirt. They designed that car for Max. It's a bit like um, I don't know if you watch motorbikes, but in MotoGP in the past five years, two teams, Yamaha and Honda, have designed a bike solely for their number one rider. And every single other rider, the, the only other two right there's there have only been two riders, barring the ones that they were designed for, that did well with those bikes. The rest of them all did terrible, including world champions. So I compare that to that. And, and I think if Checo, if the car wasn't designed for Max, Checo would probably be a lot closer than 113 points behind. <laughs> Well, that that's one way of looking at it as well, Liam. And I, I definitely take your points there too. But having said that, the fastest drivers get the fastest cars. You know, and it's 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 so reflective of like Michael Schumacher compared to Rubens Barrichello. Similar thing with you know Red Bull and Sebastian Vettel compared to Mark Webber. I mean, you to know, be fair, it, to be fair to Mark, he bottled that championship in 2010. If he hadn't bottled that championship in 2010 by crashing and so that in in uh, Korea, then he. Then he might. Then things might be different. But you know, didn't he? Ha- wasn't he sick? Wasn't that the race we got sick in his helmet though? Um, I don't actually know. I will go and Google that right now. <laughs> what um, you do? Stall, stall for me, please. Stall. For yeah, me. I will. But either way, whilst I'm making my propaganda, yeah, I think, I think it's fair. I, I would give Lewis it just for the entertainment he's given us this season. You know. The kind of way he's like we talked about Seb bouncing back from COVID. Lewis bounced back from a championship, arguably being robbed from him, you know, and coming back into a team which hadn't had this car kind of like where it should be, you know. And then on top of that as well, having to you know take some of the stick as well and and take some of the more experimental setups as they try to figure out what was going wrong with it, you know. And he's just been a leader, and he's been really, really amazing with George. He's still been amazing with the press. He's had to deal with the FIA on his nuts, you know, in relation to the whole pants and uh, jewelry situation too. You know, and he's just kind of been composed and really, really measured about it. So 
in relation to that, I've been more impressed with him versus, you know, like George, for example, compared to how Sergio's been with uh with Max, you know, where it was like it was 2007 Japan where Mark Webber was sick. Um, I just googled oh, okay. it. Mark Webber sick during race, and it comes up with that. It was Fuji 2007. Um, I'm just gonna like watch the video now. Classic Team Radio Webber vomit. Cla- I love how they say classic Team Radio. Like <laughs> the guy threw up. Gonna retire. <laughs> I've got vomiting going on. I'm vomiting. I can't drive. Understood. Box, box, box. Uh, I'll try and stay out, mate. I am. I am being sick in the car, but. I'll see how I go. That's what that's what he said. That's what he said. <laughs> True but... Aussie grit there, Liam. True Aussie grit. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you know what I'll say? Yeah, my top five would be Max, Charles, Lewis, Perez, Norris. Max, you know, he, he's done what he needed to do. I know that there's all this stuff kind of like, you know, happening off the track, which, you know, we have to have another episode on when more news comes out on that. But in terms of doing the job and getting it done, can't take it away from him. Charles, you know, I really was rooting for him. And I think there's certain races where he, he kind of outsmarted like uh, Max. And, you know, he was playing the DRS chicken in in Bahrain, for example. You know, and he was showing heart in you know Red Bull's home race, you know, at uh, the Red Bull ring and overtaking Max like four times, albeit, you know, on a, on a different tyre delta you know but then the mistakes that creeped in here and there as well and then plagued by some really terrible reliabilities so i'll put him second lewis like i said i think with what he's been biased he's been given hey we're biased podcast i'll put that out there too on the streets but yeah lewis has done an amazing job done the most he can do with the, the the tools he's been given at his disposal and he's been a great leader to the team a great teacher to george russell you know on top of that as well getting p2 getting p3s george has done the same too but then you know less like, consistently less consistently so you could put that forward as well Perez P4, because again, I think he's definitely, you know, like gelled into the Red Bull mall a lot more. There's definitely a lot of question marks into what, like, you know, opportunities they give him as to whether or not it's equal car compared to Max. Most likely not, but again, don't want to get sued for defamation. But yeah, you know, he, when he can be there, he will be there. But there have been other times as well. He's just not been in, a, been in it at all. And, and I think Hungary was an example of that too, where like, again, started ahead of Max, ended behind Max. Max the 360, almost like a 360 no-scope on Call of Duty. And he still managed to finish ahead of Perez. So... Speaking of Call of Duty, I have a question for you. Um, out of all the drivers on the grid, apart from Latifi, who would you send to the Gulag? Who would you Gulag? Ooh, who would I send to the who, who, Gulag? Who has absolutely frauded a seat in Formula 1? Hmm. It's hard to say. It's really hard to say, Liam, because I was saying this the other day, like, next year, we're actually going to have a like a grid that doesn't consist of traditional pay drivers in the sense of pay drivers apart, that run apart, there. Apart from Lancey, of course. But... Which even Lance, like, he's achieved more he's, than a lot he, of drivers have achieved. He's I mean, got I mean, multiple techni- podiums. Yeah. yeah, yeah position. But, but then again, that racing point was literally a carbon copy of the Mercedes. And also, Checo finished some like 50 I, I i'm not i don't know if it was 50 points or not but he finished a ridiculous amount ahead of him checo was fourth meanwhile lance was ninth um lance got 75 points checo got 125 it was exactly 50 points i am a prophet <laughs> yeah, you are indeed liam but fair fair i'll give you i'll give you that one but still Lance had some exceptional races in that season. You know, the pole lap he did in Turkey is not talked about enough for me. And even if you take away the pink Mercedes stuff, the guy got a podium in a Williams around Baku. So, you know, um, like he's achieved yeah. more in Formula One than Hulkenberg has. Uh, like, I know that's a controversial one, but it's the truth, you know. You yeah, but like... I mean, I mean, 2012 Brazil. I mean, to be fair to Nico, he has had a bit of bad luck. But then again, has Lance Stroll won the 24-hour Le Mans uh, or, or won the GP2 hey, series? I don't think you he put has. Him in a Toyota, if you put that guy in a Toyota that's OP compared to every other LMP1 in that class, I'm sure you'd do a decent job of it. Uh, you know, correct, no, cor- <laughs> correction, hypercar. Uh, hypercar. Uh, hey, up, you know. true, true. Well, even with that, it's going crazy as well, Liam, because they're going to change it up to LMDH and all and, sorts and, of... I, and actually, to be fair, if you put him in the current Toyota, he might not actually win. 
Because look, if you look at the driver standings, Alpine have the same amount of points as one of the Toyota entries, which is tied for first. So, so you could have a championship battle on there heading into the final round in Bahrain, which uh, I'm probably not going to watch because I do not watch endurance racing as such. It is uh, on the 12th of November, so just less than a month away. Cheeky plug, cheeky plug. Love to see it. Either way, Liam, Matt, we, we have to kind of like think. So I'm saying this is going to be my list then. Max, first. Second, Charles Leclerc. Third, Lewis Hamilton. Fourth, Perez. Fifth, Norris. Sixth, Russell. Seventh, Focon. Eighth, Science. Ninth, Alonso. Tenth, Valtteri Bottas. Eleventh, you know, the legendary man himself. SV5, Sebastian Vettel. Twelfth, yes. Gasly. 13th Alban, 14th the Danish Viking Magnussen, 15th Shogun Yu, 16th Mick Schumacher, 17th Stroll on pole, 18th uh, Yuki Sonoda, 19th Ricardo, and 20th Go TV! <laughs> In an honourable last place. <laughs> yeah, how about you man? Like, what would your thing then be? I mean, I, 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 pretty, I agree with you on most of uh, on most of the the drivers on the list. I'm gonna be really unpopular and say I'd swap Charles and Checo around and put Lando a bit further up. I, I think, well, not not Lando. Sorry, um, I probably put, would have put Valtteri further up. It's it's a really tricky list because if you there's two different ways of putting it. You could put on, um, you could combine like car and driver. Or you could just go on raw driver performance. And if you go on raw driver performance, you need to look at all kinds of things, like the the, the, the pace of the cars per race, like the average gaps between first and last and whatever. And, you know, it's a really, really long procedure. But, you know, we, we don't have the facilities for that, big man, as... Um, <laughs> who, who said that? I don't know who it was. I think it's Mike Wadapa. <laughs> uh, Mike whoever, Wadapa. <laughs> whoever it was that said that, um, you know, we don't have the facilities for that, big man. So, yeah. Um, I can't put on a, I can't. <laughs> I can't put on a North London accent. But um, to finish to finish off, all I'm gonna say is Man United are bigger than the whole of London. We just beat Spurs two 0 Ha ha ha. Ooh, spice. Love to see it on the stripping the dipping channel. But Liam Man as well. <laughs> well. Again, that's another kind of one which is gonna be interesting to see how it plays out throughout the season. But. Again, Leo, man, you've been an amazing guest, man. Just like your knowledge, just your, your views, your takes, just the work you've done as well, man. It's inspiring. And what I, the note I kind of like to leave on as well, Liam, with you is just like, what advice do you have, you know, for the people out there that want to go into like content creation in the F1 sphere, you know? And do you have any other interesting or, you know, like intriguing projects that we can look forward to in the upcoming weeks, months, or in imminent future? I mean, to be honest, there's not really much advice I'd really give, to be honest. I mean, if, if you're looking for advice, do not ask me. Um, I mean, I haven't uploaded videos in more than a month. I'm really busy. I mean, to be honest, what, what I would say is is that, you, you know, you need to be a bit more committed than I am. Um, because that's the thing. If I, if I committed to YouTube, I'd probably have been on a thousand subscribers by now. And I probably would have been able to probably make a bit of money from it. But you know what? It's not all about money. Um... I can't really give you any advice, to be honest, because there's not really much I can really, really say. Um, well, well, I'll, I'll step in for you, Liam, because I, th I think you're underselling yourself, man. Like, I'll, I'll be a wingman here and say that, you know, like, honestly, like, you've taken such an interest in Formula One, and unlike most of us that would just sit around and say, yeah, well, I like Formula One, and that's basically it. You really realized, you know, your, your visions and ambitions, you know, to get into journalism, to get into writing, you know, and it's not like, you know, like your dad owns a Formula One team or, you know, that you've had immediate, like everything you've done, you've done it on your own back, man. And I think that is so impressive and commendable to you in terms of the stuff that you've done, stuff that you've achieved, stuff that you've worked on and even more that's going to come in the future as well, man. So, yeah, I mean, of course, we can all be more consistent. I think all of us can have that kind of like goal in life to be more consistent and to try and do more. But when you're like, you're a full-time student and you still find time, you know, to, to make amazing content and to go and do your research and to be so knowledgeable on, on areas which a lot of us, you know, still need to learn about, you know, it's really, really commendable, man. So huge shout out to you, big respect to you. And, Thanks. you know, as you wrap up this podcast, Liam, you know, like where can our amazing viewers find you and where can they uh, subscribe to your channel? 
and and so forth as well man so my um almost inactive youtube channel is uh <laughs> liam talks motorsport um i would get the full link up but it's a long and complicated link so uh if you're interested in links it is https uh, <laughs> nah uh, it's just youtube.com slash channel slash uh Capital U, capital C, capital Q, capital V, capital W, lowercase W, lowercase L, capital R, capital X, lowercase G, lowercase V. I can't be bothered. Nah, I'm done with this. <laughs> well, to make it easy for the viewers, as we do anyway with all of our amazing legendary guests, Georgina will do the honors of putting all the links to our special guests and, you know, Liam and also Miles earlier on from this segment of recordings in the description and in the tweet that goes live as well with this episode so make sure you go and subscribe to liam and miles as well and you guys give them the love and also appreciation and you know like again engage with us too who's your top 20 list you know do you agree with what we said would you change the order differently too let us know you know because at the end of the day all we've said is our opinions and everyone is entitled to their opinions so yeah but liam any final words I mean, uh, on on Twitter, it's uh, at Liam Talks Motorsport. That's not really a, a tricky a tricky link. It's just um, twitter.com slash t- uh, Talks Motorsport. Um, so um, and also uh, uh, go follow Miles. Uh, go follow the the podcast, uh, the stripping the different podcast, and also. Um, I don't really shout out many people, but shout out to uh, Matt Bishop as well. Go follow him at the Bishop One because uh, without him, I probably wouldn't be talking right now. Oh, well, again, amazing. Love to show love. And Matt Bishop, such an amazing guy as well. Hopefully at some point we can have him on the podcast, you know, and also just, yeah, just get more insight into the world of F1 from so many different angles and perspectives because that is what this channel is and this is what this channel's, you know, USP is. It's unique selling point because we like to sell. But uh, anyway, guys, it's been a legendary episode. So make sure that you like, share, subscribe as always, show support as as always as you do. And yeah, we'll be- definitely have Liam and Miles back on in future episodes. So make sure you stay tuned and look forward to that as well. And yeah, Liam, thank you so much, man. You've been literally our star of the day, man. Like we're so <laughs> honored you. to have you. And again, just keep much. up the amazing been... work you're doing, man. Yeah, it's been great to be on here. Thank you very much. Ah, oh, no worries at all, man. Honestly, anytime, you know, we're more than welcome to come back onto this podcast. We want to hear more of your stories and more interesting, like, you know, like, like unknown kind of facts that we, you know, the world of F1 and our community need to learn. And I as mean, always, man, it's a pleasure. I, I was actually, I was actually considering doing some like YouTube shorts about like facts about F1, but to be honest, I don't have the time for it and, uh, <laughs> and the willpower to do it. But uh, yeah. Ah, well, come on, man. Maybe when you get some time or maybe when there's some more holidays, consider it because I I would love it and I'm sure our listeners will as well, man. So keep it in mind, you know, because I think you'd be the perfect person for that and it'd be great just to see some more content with your name attached to it. And of course, you know, F1 Nerds as well and all the other things that you do too. It's it's just great and an extension of the amazing work you do as well, man. So huge shout out to you. You're brilliant. Yeah, guys, it's been your boy, AMG Dens. And on this episode of Stripping the Dipping, I'm out. Peace.